This is the Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Catch Stan every weekday at 2 on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. We're licking our wounds as we should uh, when you're not unsuccessful in this business, but not a lot of time for that. We understand that as well. Um, Sunday's coming, man. We're excited about an opportunity uh, to compete and get this negative taste out of, out of our mouths, as I'm sure New England is. Well, a most eventful Mike Tomlin press conference today, certainly more eventful than uh, normal. Some of the great Ben Rothberg disappearing mystery was explained, maybe to your satisfaction, maybe not. There will be a kicker competition, a place kicker competition this week, which will still include Chris Boswell, some injury news, some injury updates. Mike Prezuda of the DV Morning Show will be joining us, also the Steelers Radio Network. Mike will join us today at 1.20. And a couple of questions that I want to throw out to you. Uh, where is this team? We know where they are record-wise, and we know where they are in terms of the standings, but where are they mentally? Uh, you know, you lose two games like they lost to Denver and the Chargers, and you come out and you lose to a bad team like that, and that leads me to wonder, is there any possibility for them to rebound? I will tell you, I don't think so, but I'm asking you, if they should somehow beat New England, on Sunday, will that restore your faith that we had a month ago that this was one of the best teams in the AFC, if not the entire NFL? Or have you already stuck a fork in them? Are they done? The second part and question that we'll be asking, they have defensive issues. We knew that in July. They've become more glaring recently after seemingly Improving a bit. When you look at that defense, the problems that exist, and to quote Chuck Knoll, they are many and they are great. Do you say it's more that they don't have good enough players or enough good players, or is it a matter of coaching? Those are the questions I have before you. Here's how you get involved. Thanks for waiting around till 1 o'clock, 412-922-2874. Pound 970 on your cell. You can email me, stansaverin at iheartmedia.com. You can post on Facebook, Saverin on Sports, or tweet at Stan Love the Show. Apparently, in an attempt to head things off the pass, Mike Tomlin explained what happened in Oakland involving Ben. He went in for x-rays at halftime. The x-ray equipment wasn't readily available, and maybe the technician wasn't readily available. When they took the x-ray and the doctors got the x-rays back, they weren't clear. They weren't readable. And so the doctors weren't aware of exactly what the injury was and the extent of it. Now, they knew it was rib-related, but they didn't know if he had a broken rib, ribs, plural. And what the reason that I mentioned that, and I asked this question at the press conference, having had broken ribs, what the doctors are concerned about is that if the rib is broken, 
depending on the way it's fractured, it can puncture a lung. When the rib is broken, obviously it's a jagged edge, the end of the, the rib bone, and it can puncture the lung. And if that's the case, I don't care what you shoot them up with, that's a risk they're not willing to take. So they, they didn't know. Uh, and again, this is Mike Tomlin talking. So they uh, decided that they would only put him back in the case of emergency. Apparently, emergency is defined as if we're behind, if we're in danger of losing this game. And so when they did get behind, that's when they finally put Ben back in the game. Uh, by all accounts, he was okay. The medication took care of the pain and didn't have any issues with his arm, his throwing motion, that kind of thing. Uh, it still doesn't explain why Tomlin said in the press conference immediately after the game that we didn't want to mess with the ebb and flow of the game. Uh, it was a low ebb, and it was a negative flow with Josh Dobbs in there. But I think that the general theory was we're not going to expose him if we don't have to. And if we can, this is exactly what I said after the game, and Charlie Batch agreed, they were trying to get, get out of there with a win if they possibly could without exposing Ben to further risk because they didn't know exactly what they were dealing with medically. So that was the explanation for that. And I, Mark Caballi, whose uh, judgment I trust, as soon as he was keeping an eye on Ben on the sideline, uh, as soon as the Raiders went ahead, as soon as they scored that touchdown, Ben immediately grabbed the helmet on the sideline and was getting ready to go. So that was the scenario they discussed. He also suggested, uh, Tomlin did, that they were in constant communication. There had been some talk. There was no conversation. Um, he said today that, no, that wasn't the case. They were talking all the time with the medical staff and with Ben. How's he feeling? Did the medication kicked in, meaning the numbing agents, as Charlie was saying, and he's had some. It, sometimes it takes a little bit for that to kick in. So that's what happened there. He also said, in case you missed it, that there's every expectation that Ben will be available to play on Sunday against the Patriots. He also suggested from an injury standpoint that James Conner might be available. He said he had a really good week of work on his high ankle sprain, and that has given them some hope that he might be ready to go. They won't know until they see him practice. Obviously today uh, is a day off. They don't practice yesterday. Tomorrow will be the first day of practice, and they'll see how he does. The other big news, that there will be a kicking competition this week. They are going to bring in some competition for Chris Boswell, but Boswell has not lost his job. I don't know whether or not Boswell will actually be kicking with those guys or one guy. Tomlin wouldn't say how many they would bring in. Might be one, might be five. Don't know. Don't know any names. And he did not say and wouldn't respond to questions about, will Boswell be a part of the competition? But that he will still be in the running. I think the bottom line is they think he's still a good kicker. But 
He's kicking very poorly, and they can't afford to do that anymore. I still like the suggestion that was made yesterday by one of our listeners. Why not create some kind of a phantom injury? Now, you're not allowed to do that, but especially this week playing New England, I think there have been occasions when teams have cheated, don't you? So Boswell slips on the turf. Oh, no, my ankle, my hip. I've fallen and I can't get up. To put him on IR and keep him around. Could he really have gotten the yips this bad in one season? I don't know. But there will be a kicking competition. What that, I mean, look, when, when you turn on the game Sunday or at the Heinz Field Sunday, it very well could be that it again will be Boswell. But they are going to bring in some kickers. Maybe it's a message to Boswell. Hey, we can't tolerate this anymore. I can't believe it would take that for him to get that message. I mean, how much more do you need to see? The other question is, can they rebound from this three-game losing streak? I mean, mathematically they can. But I just don't think psychologically they're up for it. I just keep going back to losing games the way they did in Denver and against the Chargers. And if ever a team should come out frothing at the mouth, mad as hell, not going to take it anymore, it would have been Sunday. Now, one caveat. If Ben plays the whole game, they win. Is that fair? Now, I realize they only scored 14 points in the first half, even though they dominated. But the way he moved the team when he had to and moved them again for the tying field goal, I think that's a fair statement to make. But they should have been able and were in position to afford not having Roethlisberger for most of the second half and part of the end of the first based on who they were playing. And indeed, They had leads, two of them, in the fourth quarter. And the defense let them down, and the offense did too, by not running the ball well enough to protect Dobbs, who was highly inadequate as a quarterback, at least on that Sunday. I mean, all that is a factor. And I understand that all could have changed, but even with that, It bothers me a lot that given the circumstances leading up to that Oakland game and all the conversation about losing games on the last play of a game, that they weren't able to come out and hammer that team. And especially given the fact that on Oakland's first possession, the first possession of the game, they marched 70-plus yards for a touchdown. Not ready to play. Again. And that's why I wonder about the mental capability of bouncing back. I don't think they can. 
And when you stop and think about even with a win over New England, then you've got New Orleans. Even if they win the division, which they very well could if they're able to win on Sunday, it's certainly a step down from what was expected just three weeks ago. I think they've got the talent to do it. They're flawed, obviously. But I do think the mental makeup is a factor. Dennis posts on Facebook and says, Fork in them, they're done. Lots of talent, little leadership. Danny believes the Steels will be lucky to win another game. Keith Butler should have lost his job after the Jacksonville playoff game last year. We're going to get to that in the 140 segment. I think the offense had a lot to do with that game, too. Tito posts, stick a fork in him. You don't lose to the worst team in the league and expect good things to happen later on. It isn't happening. Gary talking about Ben and the injury situation and why didn't come back in. He posts on Facebook and he says, uh, I know Ben can be a drama queen. But no way do I believe he thought I'll just sit out and come back in the last minute to win the game. There was no guarantee he would just march him down the field. I believe, this is Gary speaking now, Tomlin thought Dobbs could move the ball enough to keep the Raiders off the field, and then when the Raiders were on the field, the defense would hold. He totally miscalculated, blew up in his face. I think that's exactly what he was saying. I think that's exactly what he was doing. But I think he he did that because they weren't sure of Ben's exact medical condition. I mean, if, if they thought that Ben was completely not at risk, they would have put him back in. I mean, I realize there's a lot of cynics out there and a lot of Tomlin haters, and I think he's made a lot of questionable decisions here. But in this one, after the explanation, if they thought that there was no risk to further injure Ben Roethlisberger, why wouldn't they put him back in? Why wouldn't you? It was still a tight game. Gary says, I still believe in them, though. Hey, there's always a chance they can win and the Ravens could lose. You play hard until you're eliminated. Yeah, you do. But there are practicalities. And New England will not be in a terribly good mood either. Baltimore's got Tampa this week. Curtis says they're cooked. Bob posts, I thought Dobbs would have played a little better. Yeah, I would have too. But again, he came in and he threw one pass against Baltimore. And even though that's a much better defense, now he was running the team. And as I pointed out in the postgame show and yesterday on my show, his inexperience showed because he was very tentative. The Raiders' defenders got hands-on balls, not because receivers weren't open, but because Dobbs didn't deliver the ball on time. That extra half a second is all it takes, even if you're a Raiders player. 
they're still very quick. Every guy in the NFL in the secondary is. And because Dobbs was late delivering the ball because of his tentativity, they are able to get that extra quarter step, half step, whatever it is, and knock balls down. That didn't surprise me, although I guess I expect a little better. I also mentioned the new thing in the uh, in the arsenals, RPO, right? Wouldn't that be a time to run a lot of RPOs with that kid? Although you have to trust his judgment reading defense on when to run, when to pass. He ended up almost being the leading rusher. He was in yards per carry. So are they done? Even if they beat New England somehow, some way? We'll get more of your thoughts on that. The defense has big issues, really. They had them all year, various points of the season. Are their players just not flat out good enough? Or is there a coaching issue here? We'll talk about all those things with you and with our next guest, Mike Prezuta of the DV Morning Show and the Steelers Radio Radio Network. Mike joins me next here on Saverin on Sports, ESPN Pittsburgh. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Because of the lack of information, um, we thought that the best thing to do, the most prudent thing to do, um, would be only to make Ben available. An emergency-like situation was exactly what we did in Cincinnati several years ago. Obviously, he's got to be a willing participant in that. The doctors have got to get to a level of comfort. Mike Tomlin's earlier today at the press conference, and he's referencing the playoff game in Cincinnati where the Bengals imploded. But you'll remember that Landry Jones in that game because Ben had a shoulder issue, and they had to bring him back in, and he could barely throw the ball five yards, but... They were able to you know, get out of there with the win with some Bengals' help. Mike, you, of course, were in Oakland on Sunday. I, were you watching the sideline? I, I only ask you that. Uh, Mike Pizzuto of the DB Morning Show is, is with us. Uh, Mark Caballi tweeted out, he said, he had his binoculars on Ben the entire time. And as soon as Oakland scored to go up, Ben grabbed his helmet and began to warm up. Yeah, I was watching the game. So, uh, you know, I, I guess Kabul was Is that watching, why you were there? Was watching what he watches. I was watching the game. I saw him come out late and put the baseball hat on, and so I assumed he was not going to play uh, in the second half. You know, he came out with nine-plus left in the third quarter and walked across the field, went to the bench. I saw him put a baseball hat on. He didn't have his helmet anywhere near him, so I assumed he wasn't playing. And then uh, I was going down onto the field. I was going to do a post-game interview, uh, and that was right after the Raiders had scored to take the lead. And Brett Musburger, who's doing the game, the game's now for the Raiders. Which I had him. I had him on my show last week, which is fantastic. I mean, good, yeah. good for everybody involved there. But the first thing he said was, "And Ben Roethlisberger is putting the helmet on. When we come back, we're going to see Big Ben." And I thought, okay, that makes some sense. They're they're up against it now. And they're they're going to try something. I, I just assumed the whole time that it was uh, either he couldn't play or they didn't want to risk him playing because the defense was doing pretty well, and I. I guess I'm in the minority. I think Josh Dobbs was doing fine. Not that I would have trusted him to bring them back from behind, but uh, there were some circumstances as to why they didn't score when he was in the game. So they went to Ben, and he got him the lead back, and the defense didn't hold it. And then Ben got them in position to kick a field goal to get it to overtime, and the kicker couldn't kick it. I, I don't say he missed it. He couldn't kick it. On, on a field with poor conditions that he had been playing on all game with everybody else, he slipped at the critical moment. Yep. I wouldn't have let him back on the plane home, Stan. Yep. 
Well, you may have to worry about him on the plane um, again. We'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, there are conspiracy theorists out there who, no matter oh, I'm sure there are <laughs> what explanation they're given, they're never going to buy it. There's some in that room I just left. No <laughs> doubt. Uh, and 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 because some you, of the people in that room, I'm going to blame for this. <laughs> That's right. Um, but I knew all. Of that. I thought it was Barzini, but I knew all along it was Barzini all along. Uh, did you buy the? Given when he brought in the Cincinnati playoff game reference, um, it began to crystallize for me. Does the explanation that Tomlin gave today uh, resonate with you? Did it seem plausible to you about the X-rays and they couldn't read them clearly and they they didn't know what they were dealing? It just doesn't make any sense to me that if they were clear on what his medical condition was and they were convinced that he was not at risk of further injury, that if he was available, they would have used them. But the uncertainty is what kept them out. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 he was obviously hurt. He didn't come back out with the team after halftime. Now, the degree of clarity, the x-ray and all that, nothing not working properly in that stadium would surprise me because nothing works properly in that stadium. It is a garbage dump. Yep. Uh, it's the worst facility in professional sports. Uh, it was 40 years ago, by the way, when I was there. I guess it surprises me a little <laughs> bit that, um, you know, the, the implication from Tomlin today was they still weren't, you know, 1,000% sure what was wrong with him, so they put him back in uh, at some degree of risk, I'm assuming. But I think guys do that all the time in the NFL, right? You play well, hurt. It's- you do, but here's why I asked the question I did. Having had broken ribs, the first thing they check for is that if the rib is broken – there's a possibility it can puncture the lung. because, yeah. And so that's why I asked Tom on that question. That may have been the uncertainty of the issue. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I was proceeding then, and uh, I still am under the theory that they weren't going to use them unless they absolutely had to, and they did. So they did. And, I, you know, we asked him after the game, were you campaigning to get in earlier? And Ben said, I was just waiting for Coach to tell me to go. And I thought, okay, that's fine. I, I'm, I'm assuming he thought like everybody else. You know, I probably shouldn't put myself at risk because we'll beat these guys anyway. And somehow they've figured out how to not do that. Do we then assume that they reached an agreement on the sideline, agreement, not that they were negotiating, but they came to an understanding that, look, if we get behind, you you won't go back in unless and until that happens. Yeah, well, I guess what Mike said today, if needed, right? And they right. Had communicated that he was going to go in after that Raiders possession, no matter. Maybe it was close enough by then, and they still hadn't extended the lead that they thought we better finish it off with the veteran. I don't know. But to me, that's not the issue um, of the game. The issue of the game is the kicker and the defense. Even the timeout stuff. I mean, uh, I wouldn't do it the way he does it at the end of the half, but the clock was managed properly because they had a chance at a very makeable field goal to extend the thing to overtime, and the kicker couldn't get the ball past Ramon Foster. All right, let's let's talk about uh, about Boswell, and, and you, but that, that's um, there's no just one last thing on the quarterback. That's exactly uh, what they were trying to do. They figured we can get out of this thing um, yeah, and not I, risk him further, um, uh, you know, and didn't work out that way. Um, the the the. Kicking tryouts, whatever they end up being, might be going on now. Might be. Uh, Tuesday is generally the day they bring players in. Um, uh, but he wants to keep Boswell involved. Does that indicate to you that they still believe that based on his history, 
He's a very good kicker. He just got the yips or whatever, but they can't afford that now. Yeah, you know, I don't know what they're thinking exactly. I'm assuming based on what Mike Tomlin has said about Boswell all along. And, hey, I was at the games last year. He saved their backsides. Four in a row. Many times, right? That has obviously resonated with the head coach. And he has great respect for this player. He probably has uh, an appreciation for him as a guy. Uh, you know, he's been been in some stadiums with him and gotten out to, to tell about it thanks to him. But he's, he's done, Stan. He's done. He almost missed another extra point. I mean, how long does this go on? Uh, Sam Ficken, the old guy from Penn State, he kicked a couple games for the Rams this year. He's 10 for 10 on extra points. That's an upgrade right there. I don't care if you ever make a field goal. This is this is beyond acceptable. The, the guy fell down with the game on the line. He didn't miss. He couldn't get the ball past the line of scrimmage. How do you slip? Everybody's been slip sliding around all day. If you're a kicker, you know how to approach the ball when the track is dry and firm and when it's crappy. I just I don't see how that can be tolerated. Not missing. He, he didn't even get it past the line of scrimmage. I wonder what would have been worse for him psychologically. What happened or are missing again? Yeah, that just that I, I think the guy's confidence is shot. You got to move on. I mean, they found Jeff Reed in a tryout. That's that's how it works with kickers, right? Squeeze them too. You usually don't draft a guy in the first or second round. You have a tryout, and some guy comes in and wows you for ten minutes, and you say, "All right, you're up." And then they go for a while, and they're pretty good, and then they lose it. And because there's only one guy at the position, you don't have time to let them work their way out of the slump. You can't bench them the way you can at James Washington or Ike Taylor and let them let them collect themselves for a game or two. Uh, you got to get to the point where you move on, and it's next man up. And that's just the way it is with kickers. Uh, the, guy, the guy had a great year last year. He was uh, critically responsible for their success. He ain't Jan Stenerud next. I wonder – and this has been floated up by any number of people. I think it makes some sense. I don't think they want to part ways with Boswell totally because I think that they believe that he is a good kicker. He slips on the attempt. Oh, no, he hurt his hip. We have to place him on IR. And then you bring him to camp next year and let him fight for, uh, fight for a job so you don't lose him totally. Yeah, I think you're overthinking it. If they cut him, is there going to be a line to sign him? You never know. Is anybody watching tape of this guy this year? Somebody think they're three missed extra points away from the Super Bowl. Yeah, but I've also seen <laughs> – but, 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 but it may not be now. It may be in the offseason. I think that they, they don't want to give up on him totally. Yeah, I, I mean, don't know. Look I, how many retreads there are. I mean, Dan Bailey, you know, at one time, some of the, he was the best kicker in the league. Dallas got rid of him. Uh, I forgot where he's at now. He's, he's had issues. Um, oh, hey, I'm, it wouldn't I would expect him to resurface somewhere else and do, yeah. well, and do well. I'm just saying for right now, going into this New England game, they need a different breathing yeah. human being trying to kick the ball. Well, if they can't find anybody, that tells you about what was available to them. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, who was Jeff Reed when, uh, when they signed him? Carolina had cut him. He was not the guy who was missing consistently and killing them. Who was that, Brown? Yeah, Chris Brown. Chris Brown who was very good at one point, and he got the yips, and so that's it just reshuffles every so often. It's just the way it works with those guys. I didn't, I didn't invent the system, Stan. I've just studied it a while. That's how it works. Plus, Coward did not like Chris Brown personally. <laughs> he thought he was a big jag-off. He so. was a little preachy. Yeah, he was. Um, <laughs> all right, so here we are. I wasn't a huge fan either. But yeah, well. When he was good, he was tremendous. Yeah, and he, you know, he's a good kicker. Had a big, 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 big leg for a, a little guy. 
so here they are. The Patriots are coming in. I'm worried about the way they reacted to losing the Denver game and the Charger game. They should have been mad as hell and not willing to take it anymore. Now, a caveat, I think if Ben's healthy the whole game, they win the game. But that having been said, they come out to Oakland. I understand all the West Coast and the Oakland stuff. But they get off the plane, should have been mad as hell after the the way they lost the last two games. And the first series of the game, boom, 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 Oakland 7, Steelers nothing. That is disturbing to me. And uh, I wonder about their psyche at this point. And even if they were to beat New England – if that's even possible, do you think they still got a chance to not just win the division but reclaim their status as one of the better teams in the AFC, or have you stuck a fork in them? Can I answer both? You answer all the above, none of no, the I above. Mean, if they were to beat New England, now that is the the mothership of all ifs. But, the, yeah, that means you can beat a good quarterback. I don't think they can do that with this defense, and I don't think their offense can keep up enough. I think their problem of late has been their defense isn't trustable when the game is on the line, and their offense, for all its all pros and uh, statistical resumes, doesn't seem to crack that 38, 42, 45 mark very often, uh, at least not consistently enough to win. Um, The way they played past – and it's funny, you mentioned that first drive, which was disturbing. The Raiders moved right down the field and score. They did very little after that until the fourth quarter. Then all of a sudden, it was guys running down the middle. If you look at the tape of that long ball to Roberts, Morgan Burnett is is the trail guy in the bracket, and as Roberts is making the catch, he jumps up. He's after the turning ball, yeah. back and jumping. He's three seconds late. Yep. I mean, this guy's been in the league how many years? He doesn't know how to play the ball. That's going to get better now all of a sudden because they're going to emphasize it. I, they just don't have it. I don't think. I, and they fooled me. I I was skeptical going into the season on this defense. After the first month of the season, I thought, ah, see, I knew this was going to happen. They can't stop anybody. And then that winning streak, they won me over. And I remember doing the pregame show before the uh, Denver game. And I'm thinking, you know what? These guys, have uh, they've turned me around. I believe in that defense. And if their defense can be, you know, middle of the road, not maybe the thing that drives the team, but not the millstone, if they can just be a contributing unit, this team's going to go a long way. And uh, the fourth quarters ever since have been just a disaster. The fourth quarter, not not so much the stuff before that, but, you know, it's kind of like the Cincinnati game. They played great all day and then let the Bengals drive down and take the lead late. The offense bailed them out that day. Uh, haven't been able to do it since. Yeah. The one, Chargers thing was, I mean. The, one stop, they win the game. My, my thought process in the Chargers game when they were driving down for what was maybe going to be the tying touchdown, I was wondering in my mind if Mike Tomlin was going to go for two. Which he's done before when he didn't trust the Thinking that they couldn't stop him. Well, it, we're going to talk about that in the next segment. I'll, I'll get your thoughts before I let you go. And that is, uh, to quote Chuck Knoll, they have many problems and they are great. Are they largely personnel issues? Or how much do you put on the defensive coaching staff in terms of coverages and matchups? Or are they just looking for Band-Aids to heal as many wounds as they can or cover as many wounds as they can with a tourniquet? No, I think it's personnel. I think they've been trying a lot of things this year. Uh, different, uh, certainly than what they normally do. And uh, probably, you know, I wasn't privy to the defensive game plan at the start of the year, but I watched the games. And I think they're doing things they maybe weren't thinking about in uh, the springtime, but they've had to do them. Uh, the one game where I thought they really got schemed was the Chargers game. And that that wasn't the only time 
that they had linebackers on receivers. They did that a couple of times in the Raiders game, four or five snaps that I noticed. But I thought it was too much in that game. I thought they, they succumbed to not having Burnett and Cam Sutton, who I don't even think Cam Sutton played a defensive snap in the Raider game, and he was available. Uh, you got to come up with something better in the clutch than John Bostick on Keenan Allen. I mean, you got to do better than that. But I think what they've done with trying to get L.J. Ford in there, they've taken Artie Burns out and they've put uh, Sensabaugh in. Uh, you saw him, uh, the Jacksonville game. They brought Dangerfield in and went with three safeties. Uh, they've changed things around. You know, they're basically trying to play the two inside linebacker positions with three guys. Yeah. What does that tell you? They don't have two reliable guys that can be versatile enough to do both, to stop the run and stop the pass. So they're throwing stuff at the wall. They're, they're guessing. You're going to get burned doing that every once in a while. I just thought, um, I mean, Joe Hayden's a good player. I don't think he's an elite corner, but he looks like Lester Hayes here because of who he hangs around with. Yeah, he's a very good cover corner. He's never been, however, an intercept guy. He just yeah. high totals and that sort of thing. I mean, people were killing Mike Mitchell last year because he never made any plays on the ball. How many plays has Sean Davis made on the ball? None. Yeah, it's you got to do more than come up and make a tackle. Yeah. You just do. That's, and would they have uh, three passes defensed in the Raiders game, and two of them were uh, two? It was two one, and one was the other one. The other one was Burnett on the third down play on the goal line. I mean, does anybody think that works against Brady and Breeze? So we're back to the offense. Better get forty-eight. Yeah, it didn't work against Derek Carr. Um, Philip Rivers is one who is thing. very good. But he is, but you have to take in you know the, the cast of characters. Yeah, but he had a day. I mean, that's you know you're not playing. Uh, they did really well against Matt Ryan, but Atlanta's had a brutal year. Yeah. They did really well against Cam Newton, who I have a lot of respect for, but that's more of a running game-driven offense. And, uh, you know, the other guys that they've beaten, who were, who were the elite QBs among their victims? Yeah, Carolina's lost five in a row now. All right, Mike, thank you very much. Great stuff. Don't forget, you catch Mike uh, every morning on the DB Morning Show and, of course, on the Steelers Radio Network. The pregame show will begin at 225 on Sunday before the Patriot game. Thanks, Mike. Maybe just go for two every time from now on, like Aliquippa High School. Uh, <laughs> you, can't, you can't kick. That's what they do in high school. Uh, why not? Percentages are in your favor. All right, um, what about the defense? Mike offered his thoughts. Is it uh, a lack of personnel? Is it uh, a lack of coaching? Both. And uh, do you think the Steelers are dead in the water? We'll have all that for you, and those of you on the line will take your phone calls. That's next. Saverin on Sports, ESPN Pittsburgh. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Richard to his right, right side to his right on fourth and goal. He gets the shotgun snap. He's back. He waits. He fires. The pass is caught for a touchdown at 21 seconds left. And it is Derek Carrier, a tight end. Tight ends, a plenty. Delaware Ed tweets. He said, some NFL teams actually do stop tight ends. Steelers coaches need to study the successful team's methods. Win or lose, says Ben. This week won't make me change my mind that this team is not a Super Bowl contender. Hope I'm wrong, but these last few games have only hammered that point home for me. Uh, yeah, me too. Me too. I, I don't see it. I mean, if they were to beat New England, then you, you've got to deal with New Orleans. Uh, and they have a lot to play for. Uh, home field all the way through. It's, it's something that, you know, the game will matter to them. 412-922-2874, pound 970. The counselor joins us now. Hello, counselor. Hey, Stan. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Oh, good. Listen, um, I don't think 
it's uh, well, the scheme is not. Uh, these players cannot adapt to the scheme, and it's a lack of talent. Um, unfortunately, you know, there's no longer Ryan Shazier, and you know what they got to replace John Bostic and and Morgan Burnett and whatever else you want to name. They're not capable of. First of all, they're not capable of covering the pass. Period. And then when you have L.J. Ford in there, you may lose a lot of run um, stopping power. And the problem has the problem started back with the draft. They needed to trade up to get the middle linebacker. That may be not their style. You know, I know they did it with um, Torrey Palomalo, but they needed to trade up to get that middle linebacker. When they didn't do that, trying to run 60B backs and do the uh, you know one act, uh, having one of the backs act as a uh, as a linebacker is not it's not good enough with this personnel to run against NFL competition. Well, it seems that uh, like Mike Prezuta was saying that they've been scrambling all year uh you know trying to cover up for their deficiencies. Um uh, yeah, Leighton Vandenesh, I mean they liked them a lot. Uh, I don't know uh what the cost would have been. I'm trying to remember who it was who drafted directly ahead of Dallas. I don't recall at this point. I don't, I don't have the I'm, I'm in, in the Steelers facility, and I don't have the computer access that I normally do. Um, uh, for all we know, they did attempt to do it. Uh, the cost may have been prohibited. I don't know. Um, I, I, but I, I, I'm, I'll look up and see what team it was. But they've been playing catch-up ever since. And the problem is, Dan, yeah, I guess it's a combination of Colbert and um, – uh, Tomlin, uh, let's just face it, uh, started with uh, the outside linebacker, you know, the, the one that the top pick didn't uh, pan out. And Jarvis I don't Jones. think but yeah, Jarvis Jones. Yeah, they've, they've, they had too many busts in the first round. Um, and Morgan, and, and uh, Bud Dupree is no longer, is not considered, I don't think he's worth a first round pick. No, and definitely they, not. And, and it's cost them year after year after year. It's, it's and they're no chasing. Ball. Oh, thank you, Counselor. They they've chased the same. When you make a mistake in one position, you end up chasing it the next year. If Jarvis Jones had been anything, they wouldn't have had to draft Bud Dupree, and that's the way that goes. Let's go to Jay in San Antonio, Texas. Hi, Jay. Hey, Stan. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh, just quickly, uh, the video with Rocky Barr yesterday it was very inspiring, and they're pulling all kind of strings. And I'm hoping that would at least wake him up. I don't know if you got a chance to see it or not. I did, I did. Oh, okay. And then my second question is with the scheme, uh, what the counselor was just talking about. How many weeks in a row, if you go back and look at it, putting these linebackers on these slot receivers, they're getting burned time after time. No adjustments is made, and then last but not least. I'm afraid that the Super Bowl window is closing fast. I mean, this year they probably won't make the playoffs. If they do, they'll get put out. At what point does something change? Uh, that's that's the disappointment of it. Um, I think a couple things happened. They hoped that the defense would graduate to being adequate. And for a time, like, uh, like Mike was saying, and I've been saying for a long time, that defense appeared to be getting better uh, when, during the, the winning streak. Uh, and and it's uh, they're not going to be great. They're not going to be the steel curtain. They're not going to be a shutdown defense. But the best you could hope for is that they would not be a liability, that they wouldn't be uh, a, a millstone around the neck of the offense, which figured to be good. But they have regressed terribly. Uh, why? 
I can't tell you. I think part of the issue uh, is that um, Morgan Burnett has not been anything what they hoped for, whether that's because he's hurt or whether he's 29 and he's had it. I don't know. As I've said before, I'm certainly not giving up on a rookie like Terrell Edmonds, but I'm telling you, he's bad in pass coverage. I said that a month ago. That doesn't mean that he won't improve. I think, you know, that's been an issue. And we mm-hmm. all knew that inside linebacker was going to be an issue, which is why they went out and got Burnett and drafted Edmonds to try to cover that up. Uh, and, what- and the other thing is, um, I think, and the defense has problems of its own, Jay, but I also think that the imbalance in pass-to-run ratio is a factor. You gotta you gotta run your offense to score points. That's number one. But you know if you use your running game more, or at least if you're capable of running the ball more, you stay on the field longer and you don't expose your defense uh, as much. As we all know, whether Connor was there or not, even when he was there, they were not running the ball successfully. And I do not give the offensive line a pass for that. It wasn't just because Samuels and Ridley are backups. They were running the ball well with Connor in there. And one of the reasons, the offensive line, and they're just not doing it enough. And lastly, Stan, I'll, and I'll let you go on this one. I know uh, Mark Madden, it was on the Collin uh, station I was just watching, and he was basically, Mark Madden was saying that it's time to fire Tomlin. And they go through this every year. I don't think it's him. Uh, they were saying maybe Keith Butler or maybe one of the coordinators. But at what point do the Steelers look at him and just say, they keep over underachieving, and something is not getting done. I don't want them to fire Tomlin, but it looks like if they miss the postseason this year, they just might. Here's here's I I talked about this on Monday. Here's the way I think it'll go down, unless they have this miraculous turnaround, which I just said I I don't see that happening. I think what will happen is they will not fire Tomlin. The Rooney's philosophy has always been if they believe that they've got a good coach. Now let's remember something. Bill Cowher went three consecutive years without making the playoffs and with losing records. And they believed that Cowher was a good coach and they didn't lose their faith in him. I think, frankly, Tom's achievements have been greater than Cowher's, and I think that they'll employ that same philosophy. However, what they will do, I think, what Art Rooney will do, he will put Tomlin on notice and say, 2019, if things don't change, you're on notice. You know, your job could well be on the line. I think he'll also demand some coaching changes, and I think that would involve Keith Butler. Okay, I appreciate it, Stan. You take care now. Thank you, Jay. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the way it'll come down. You know, the knee-jerk reaction is fire Tomlin, and that's always the easiest thing to say. I don't think that's realistic. I don't think that's going to happen. All right, time now for this date in sports history. And on this date in 1975, the Pirates made this giant trade with the Yankees. Willie Randolph, Doc Ellis, and Ken Brett to New York for George Doc Medich. Didn't work out well for the Pirates, but it happened on this date in 1975. And on this, speaking of trades, on this date in 1959. Here's the windup. Fastball hit deep to right. This could be it. Well, that was Roger Maris's 61st home run in 1961. But in this date of 1959, the Yankees acquired Roger Maris in a multiplayer deal with the Kansas City Athletics. He became a Yankee. Also in this date in 1981, Muhammad Ali, his last fight ever, he lost a decision to Trevor Burbick. How about some birthdays today? 
This guy was a penguin killer. Of course, in those days, most players were. But great player for the Ottawa Senators. Daniel Alfredson is 46 today. And a happy birthday goes to these former Pittsburgh Pirates. Couple of bells. Former Pirate shortstop Jay Bell is 53 today. And Operation Shutdown. Derek Bell, off on his boat somewhere, is 50 today. Tomorrow on the program, we'll be talking to Josh Yoey about the Penguins. He'll be in Chicago for that game. Also, Jerry Dulac will join us, as will Rob King. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks for joining me today for Sabrinon Sports on ESPN Pittsburgh.